1: to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bucas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling.
2: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, Kettering, and you should, I want to invite your attention to Genesis chapter 37. We begin our reading at verse 18 as we continue this journey on this uh, series of messages entitled What's Next? We find these words, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, and let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, of his tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down and to eat a meal and then they lifted up their eyes and looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. And their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh, and on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Would you pray with me this morning, Father in heaven? We honor you on this day, and we bless you for the privilege, opportunity of your preached word. Lord, speak a word in this place and in the midst that we might hear from you what we need to hear father deliver someone from hell this morning and rescue them from the destruction that is yet coming their way spirit of the lord through the preaching of the gospel i pray you turn someone's heart around that they might stop drifting away from you the fellowship that has been broken i pray that it be restored today i pray that someone might find their way out of darkness into the marvelous light i pray for edification of the body lord that you might Maybe open up our understanding and our vision to see what's going on in and around our life. Speak, Heavenly Father, in such a way that each person would know they have heard from God. I stand only as a vessel to be used to accomplish your will. Use me, Lord, in the way that you see fit. I need your clarity of thought and speech. I need your strength to deliver this message. So have thine own way, God, and we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise. For it is in Jesus' name that I pray with thanksgiving, and I believe by faith that you will answer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When We began this journey on last Sunday, uh, looking at the first 14 verses of Genesis chapter 37. We spoke to you from the idea, what's next when you are the favorite? Life has a way of taking us up and down and around and around and Oftentimes we find ourselves asking the question, what's next? What's coming up next in our lives? What is the next thing that we have to face? What is the next thing that we have to deal with? So the examination of Joseph's life is allowing us to kind of look at that and begin to examine perhaps some scenarios that may be playing out in our own lives. And as God's favorite, we learned that being the favorite means that you get blessings. And we saw the blessings of Joseph that he was obtaining, that he was receiving, the dreams from his heavenly father, the coat of many colors from his earthly father. But not only do you get blessings, you also get haters. Because when God blesses you and when you've been designated the favorite and you start to receive those special blessings, haters rise up against you. Joseph's brothers rose up and they hated him for being his father's favorite. They hated him for his dreams. They despised him. I mean, they couldn't even speak peaceably to him. So there is a, a, a great degree that we should have as an expectation that we will have haters because we are our father's favorite. Thirdly, we discovered last week that you'll also get sent sometimes to serve your haters. Joseph's father sent him to go and and look after his brothers to check on them to see how they were doing. And and as children of God, guess what? Our father has sent us back into the world to, to serve the haters, the ones that hate him and hate us. And so as we move from that perspective this morning in this roller coaster ride called life, we Oftentimes, uh, pondering this question, what is next? And so, on this morning, so I want to talk to you from the subject matter what's next when you serve your haters? Because that's where Joseph's life now moves us into. Joseph is now on the service line, if you will, in the service of ministry to his brothers. His father has sent him to check on them. And now Joseph has traveled a long way to serve his brothers in the same way God has sent us. And so he's going to serve the ones who hate him. And as we are going to serve the ones who hate us and the ones who also hate our father. The first thing that I see in verse 18 now when they saw him coming from afar off even before he got near they conspired against him to kill him. The first thing you might expect when you go to serve your haters is a conspiracy to kill. Joseph traveled 65 miles on foot perhaps. Maybe he had a mule but 65 miles in those days and times wasn't like getting in your Lexus or BMW or Honda and driving 65 miles. No, he had a long track to get to his brothers to serve them 65 miles, the first 50 miles. miles—and Then he couldn't find them where they were supposed to be. And so he was told that they're they're 15 miles further up north and he's got to go 65 total miles to go to serve his brothers who hate him. But watch this. But he's doing it in obedience to his father. I wish somebody would catch this right here. Sometimes you're going to be sent some places to serve some folk that you know hate you, but you got to do it anyway because your father sent you to do it. Ask Jonah about it. (laughs) You could be rebellious as you want, but a father has a way of making sure you do what he sent you to do. Well, here is Joseph that's on his way, 65 miles, going to serve his brothers who hated him. And he knew they hated him, but he did it anyway because he was being obedient to his father. And when they see him, the first thing they can think of is how can we kill him? Ain't that something? What, What kind of plan can we put together to get rid of him? That's the first thing that comes to their mind. There's a conspiracy to kill him. And and let me say this. Don't expect that your haters care how much sacrifice you've made or are making to serve them. No, expect them to carefully strategizing how they might destroy and kill what they don't like in you. Because what Joseph's brothers are after, they're after killing what they see in him that reminds them that he's got favor with their father. As we we dig down in this, it says, look, look, look at this dreamer. They're watching him come and they're conspiring to kill him. Verse 19, they say to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. That gives us a a clue about what the motivation of murder is. (laughs) The motivation of killing him has to do with the fact that he's a dreamer. You got the nerve to think you're going to be somebody. You you think you're getting out the ghetto. You think you're going to get you a college degree. You you think you're going to buy you a new car. You think you're going to be happy without me. You you know, you got the nerve to dream. And so they're not happy about your dream. And so they're conspiring against him because he's a dreamer. Then they say to one another, look at this dreamer who is coming. And they say, come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him and and we shall see what will become of his dreams. This is one thing that's always interesting to me that haters don't even have to like each other to conspire to destroy you. Lord have mercy. That, that supervisor and manager, they don't even get along. But you got the nerve to enroll in a class that's going to allow you to get promoted and they'll work together and they say they conspire together. They say let's kill him and then we're going to see what happens to his dream. They plan without any warning to him. He has no idea that they are planning and strategizing and conspiring to kill him. He has no idea that his life is in danger with his own brothers. Lord help us here. And they, they're watching him. They're observing him. They're, they're watching and witnessing him coming and they they know he's so far off we only got so much time to put our plan together and they begin putting a plan together very quickly and they say let's kill him and cast him into a pit and then that we're gonna see what we're gonna we're gonna even lie watch this i I love this because well i'm watching the text and what what i'm watching is that they how they keep building this thing up they 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 got a lie in place already they trying to steal his dream they're going to lie about what they do, and they're going to kill him. Y'all see that? The whole progress is right there in the text. And so they say, we're we going we gonna to lie and say some wild beast devoured him. We, they, they've got a whole plan put together of how they're going to take him out. Folk who conspire, they're, they're professional conspiracy people. They know how to put together a plan. And they got a plan here. That We're going to kill him. We're going to throw him in a ditch. We're going to take his coat and say somebody else did it. And we're going to just blame it on somebody else. And we'll go on about our business and we will see what happens to his dreams. Y'all see what they're really after? They're not really after him. They're after destroying his dreams. I want you to hear this because when you are serving the hater, the hater doesn't necessarily want to kill you. They want to kill the dream you have. When you're walking in the favor of God and God has blessed you with a gift and God has blessed you with an ability and God has blessed you with a strength there are folk that are not going to like what you have and they're going to want to destroy what you have and so they they want to kill him they conspire to murder him going to take him out and they're going to say what what they're going to see what's going to become of that dream that he had that we were going now all of this is about a dream he had that they were going to bow down to him And so in their uh, stubbornness, in their uh, uh, high mindedness, in their lack of understanding what the dream was really all about in the first place. They are really at this point ready to kill their own brother, to destroy his dream and to destroy the fact that is a reminder to them that he's got favor with God and favor with their dad as you're serving your haters and you're serving folk you're doing what you're called to do doing what you're supposed to do um their their plan their conspiracy is to snuff out your shine Lord, help us you're too bright you you're too holy we we gotta we gotta snuff you out we've we've got to destroy the the success of your ministry we've we've got to quiet down the beauty of your presence we've we've got the Lord how, how come God made you so good looking we gotta snuff you out we, how come you're so smart we we've got to make you look like you ain't so smart how come you've got the favor of the father and and so the idea is if we can conspire to kill the vision if we can conspire to kill that which reminds us that you've got something we don't that's what the murderer that's what the conspirator that's what the hater is after they come as an idea to kill him, but ultimately the text really is proving out that, that what they're really after is killing his dream and killing his reflection that he's got favor with God and their father. After they put their plan together, verse 21 says, Reuben heard it. This is one of the brothers. He heard it. He said, okay, I wanna, I'm going to I'm gonna try to work it so that I can deliver Joseph out of my brother's hands. I don't agree with the plan. I I don't want to go along with the plan. So he says, okay, uh, verse 22, he said to them, let's not shed his blood. Let's not just just, just kill him. But let's cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. And we're not going to lay a hand on him. And his plan was that I can circle back around later and I'll get him out of the pit. But this is what I want you to see. The what's next after they conspire to kill is the casting you into a pit. Reuben came up with the idea of casting him into the pit because they were just going to kill him and then go back home and say some wild beast got a hold of him. It's not our fault. But Reuben comes up with this idea of casting him into the pit. All the brothers agree, and so they cast him into a pit. When he came to them, watch this, verse 23, I think it is, somewhere around there. When they came to him, uh, it came to pass that Joseph came to his brothers. Watch what they do. The first thing they do is they strip Joseph of his multicolored tunic that was on him. So wait a minute, stop. If if you're just trying to kill me, why you got to be taking my coat? Can't I just die in my nice coat that my dad gave me? This is a, it's a clue what's bothering them. They strip him of the coat, the multi-colored coat, the, the coat that represented favor from his earthly father. It represented that he was the favorite child. So they're going to strip him of his, his blessing that he received from his father. So they strip him of the coat first. Stayed here. He goes on to say uh, after they stripped him of his tunic of many colors that was on him then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Let me see how I can fix this for you. When your haters come to cast you into a pit the idea is that your Blessing is bothering them. And they're not happy because as long as you're wearing that tunic, Joseph, we keep seeing that we are not the favorite. Every time you're walking around with your Bible in your hand, Every time I see God blessing you when you don't deserve to be blessed, it's a reminder that I'm not God's favorite. And so the hater, that's the unbeliever, they hate God, but they hate you more now because they see that God has favor on you. And so what they want to do is they want to strip you of the imagery of being blessed by God. And so if they think, watch this, because they always do, think they have power enough to take from you what God has given to you. Lord, help me here. But i stop by to let you know what God has given you can't nobody take from you. Lord help me here. And even if they strip material things from you, they can't take the divine blessings away from you. They may have taken away his coat, but they didn't take away his dreams. Lord help me here. They may have they, they, they may have thought they, they 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 messed him up by throwing him into a pit. And they may have thought that they 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 they, they disshuttled him by causing him to think that, oh well, maybe I'm not so favored after all, but it didn't stop his dreams it didn't stop what god had put in him and so this interestingly as i walk through this there's details that are dropped along the way that are interesting that seem like they kind of maybe unimportant but it's like why do they put that there it has to be important one of those little nuggets that are dropped in the midst of the text is that the pit was empty and there was no water in the pit. Y'all still here? The plan from his brothers was to drop him into this pit and to watch him or allow him to die of starvation and thirst. Stay here with me cause, and I want you to see this, that when your enemy drops you into a pit, the idea is to put you in a place, the pit represents a place where starvation takes place, Lord help, where thirst is not satisfied. The pit is a place where your dreams and the thirst of joy and satisfaction can't be satisfied. Sometimes people put you in a pit by giving you difficult and impossible jobs to do. In other words, they tell you, I need you to do this because they know that you've got an insatiable desire and maybe even a gift and a passion to do one thing, but they put you on assignment of doing another to keep you from doing what you ought to be doing. Help me, Lord Jesus. And in the process of you doing something else, you're starving of, and you're you're dying of thirst to do that which God had assigned for you to do help me. And so they're, 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 they're deliberately and intentionally trying to starve you to death. They're deliberately and intentionally wanting to sit along the side and watch you die of thirst. They want to put you in a place where your love and joy and satisfaction are incomplete and your thirst is unquenched and you're going on and on and on until you literally begin to die inside. You feel like I don't have any hope anymore. I'm trying to help somebody here. Sometimes this, this pit experience is experienced in relationships under the guise of love. They tell you they love you, but literally what they're trying to do is ditch you. They're trying to isolate you or they're trying to confine you. They're trying to keep you away from being able to satisfy that which is uh, of a quench to you, of thirst to you. They're trying to put you in a dry place. Lord, help me here. Where are you cannot survive where you cannot thrive they're trying to put you in a place where you ain't with your mama no more you ain't with your daddy no more cut you all from your friends anymore no you don't need to talk to them I'm everything you need and and they're trying to keep you uh, I'm, I'm keeping you safe what are you keeping me safe from but yet you put me in a ditch and, and I'm starving here I'm, I'm thirsting here there's no satisfaction here and you feel literally like you're dying from the inside and your enemy is trying to kill you and trying to steal your joy and trying to take you down into a pit where he can punish you to the extent that you can't breathe and you feel like I can't, I, I can't catch my breath. I can't. You're suffocating me and you're starving me and causing me to die of thirst. That's not love, but it's pushed out under this implication that I love you. But it's a ditch. It's a pit. It's a pit to kill you. It's a pit to destroy you. And your enemies, sometimes very close to you, this is his brothers, will put you in a pit to cause you to die of thirst or to starve to death. This pit is empty. There's nothing in the pit. The text says there's no water in the pit. Can I say this? When people put you in a pit to kill you and to destroy your dreams and to destroy your hope, turn that
1: pit into a preparation room. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Buchan Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed. By today's message, financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Buchus Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the Spirit of Excellence